Mark Hart serves full-time as Executive Vice President of Life Teen. A graduate of the University of Notre Dame, Mark is a best-selling author of over a dozen books and a Sirius XM radio host. Mark and his family reside in Phoenix, Arizona. This is a live talk at St. John Severna Park. applause to Ben. He is such, <laughs> such a talent. I, we've known each other for what, almost 20 years now? Going on 20? Yeah. Back before I had gray and back when you had hair. It was good. It was a, that's what kids will do to you, you know what I mean? I look back at something I did maybe like in, I don't know, 2000 or something, and I had like this, this sea of dark hair. My kids saw this picture like on the Apple TV. It was floating. It was dark hair. I said, Daddy, you had dark hair? And I said, yeah. I said, what happened? I said, you. <laughs> So good to be with you today. Uh, why don't we just begin briefly uh, with, a, with a quick prayer, uh, if we can. This is the prayer of St. Joseph. God, help me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> now, uh, some of you might know more ornate prayers to St. Joseph. You see on EWTN.com or something. I really believe that's the essence of the prayer of St. Joseph. I talk to Joseph uh, often, daily, actually, and um, you know, there's a reason he's the guardian of the church and the terror of demons, but can you imagine how painfully self-aware Joseph always was of his own sin? You're trying to raise the second person of the Trinity, and you're married to the Immaculate Conception. I mean, he literally was married to Mrs. Wright. I mean, she was never wrong. I can relate to St. Joseph on so many levels. I was thankful uh, for the invitation that when Edward uh, invited me to come out today, because you know, whenever you, whenever you feel uh, bad about how holy you are, uh, or how holy you are not, the best thing you could do is bring in someone who's far less holy, a bigger sinner, and have them address you. So I'm here to say, no matter where you're at in your faith life, you're looking good compared to me. Okay? Um, but I really believe, I genuinely believe this is my, uh, with all my heart. You know, it says throughout, throughout Scripture that, that the Lord blesses the humble, the Lord exalts the humble. The fact that you are here today um, giving of your greatest commodity, which is time. Whether you've been married for 50 years, whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, wherever you are in your relationship, the fact that you would give your time to be here today, uh, the Lord does not look upon that lightly, that you will be blessed. You absolutely will be blessed for your time here today. I mean, the fact that it's not football season helps also, but still. <laughs> and I'll tell you something. I just flew in yesterday from Phoenix. 
Um, you people are insane. It is cold here. <laughs> I woke up this morning, I looked at, looked at my phone to see the temperature was, and my phone was just shaking its head going, what are you doing here? Go home. So God bless you all for being here. Uh, many years ago, uh, we had, let me see here, I had two kids at the time. So this was probably about mm, 11, 12 years ago. I'm uh, driving down the freeway in Phoenix, and I was in my, I was in my Jeep, and I, like, the top was off, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a nice, cool day in Phoenix, about 160, 180, I'm not sure. So I'm driving down the freeway, and, uh, and the wind is whipping, you know, the top is off the, the Jeep, and my phone, my phone rings. Now, usually I don't answer the phone on the, on the freeway because I can't really hear. I don't know why I did this particular day, but I remember I looked at it, and the caller ID said Hawaii, and that's odd. You know, I usually don't answer the number if I don't know the number. I mean, caller ID is really taking all the fun and the mystery out of life. I mean, you remember you used to, you had before caller ID is, hello, oh, IRS, bye, you know. Uh, but if, for some reason this day, I answered the phone. And so I answered the phone, and, I, and it was breaking up. All I heard was Mark, Invitation, Eucharistic Congress, Hawaii, speaking, keynote. I said, yes, when can I be there? And they said, do you want to know the date? I said, don't care. They said, would, would, what, are, you, are you accepting it? Yes, I am. Would you like to pray about it? Mm, just did. <laughs> so you have to understand, when you're in ministry, you don't get to go to Hawaii. No, you get to go to Fargo in like January, okay? You get to, you get to go to, you know, it's, it's, it's horrible. You get to go to Louisiana in the dead of summer when mosquitoes are bigger than your house. I mean, so I was so excited. So it worked out. My in-laws, like all the stars aligned. My in-laws were going to watch our two kids. I had enough miles saved up because I fly a lot. And I'm going to take my wife and we'll be whisked away magically in the second honeymoon to Hawaii. We get there on a Friday afternoon. They're putting the lay on you at the airport. I'm holding the cocktail while I'm waiting for a bag. It was the best. We go out to this, this, this restaurant right on, the, right on the Pacific. It was gorgeous. You order the food. I'm like, I'm going to have the, the mahi-mahi. And it just swims up and just jumps on your plate. It's just the most, it was amazing. It was just this great decadent night. We're dancing. We're having fun. We're drinking wine. We're on the beach. It's the best. Next day, we go to this event. It's a great event. People show up from all over from different islands. It's this great event. Wonderful day, culminates in, 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 in mass, which is just a great day. So the next morning rolls around, it's a Sunday morning, and we're on the eighth floor of a 12-story hotel, and the sliding glass door is open, and the wind is whipping, and the palm trees are going, and I'm thinking to myself, it's amazing. It's a Sunday. We have no kids. I'm going to get to hear the homily for the first time, and I don't even know how long. It was amazing. I'm like, is that what the end of a sentence sounds like? Speak more, sweetheart, because we had little ones at the time. You, you never get to have a conversation. I mean, really, you're just ships in the night, right? Just, just you know, always overtired, always not caffeinated enough, right? So I'm sitting, I'm lying in bed, I'm like, this is the greatest day ever. It's just a beautiful, peaceful day. I'm honestly, I was half expecting an animated Disney bird to fly out of the sky, like, <laughs> and just land on, like, the, on the railing of the balcony, right? on the eighth floor, overlooking the pool, the ocean. My wife gets up to use the restroom because it had been about 15 minutes, so it was time. <laughs> Something happens once you have kids. Oh, God bless you all. I don't know what you do. All you ladies, God bless you. Oh, that's great. It's like, I, I, now I laugh and I pee. Now I sneeze and I pee. Now I everything. So, so she, goes, she goes in the other room, and yes, they give us this big room. It was like a suite, and she goes in the other room to use the restroom. So I'm lying in bed, and all of a sudden, the bed goes, boom, and I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> practical joker in one of those massage beds or something you know quarters in it and I thought this is not a holiday inn in 1975 <laughs> and all of a sudden the bed again and I'm like <laughs> and I realized what was happening the Lord in his providence and kindness compassion and wisdom had whisked us away to the islands for the first earthquake they'd had in 26 years 
So all of a sudden, I'm in the bed, and I, get, I, I fall onto the ground, and my white butt just goes And I hear my wife, and she falls off the throne, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And, and I was like, again, these two pictures fall off the wall. I mean, this is a nice hotel. They weren't like screwed on and nailed in, you know, like they fell down. I'm like, so I go, I, I jump up, and it, I realize what's happening, okay, and all of a sudden, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of like, okay, wow, wait, what's, what's going on? So I go running to my wife, and she's coming running out of the bathroom. Now, I was born in the Midwest before I moved to the desert, and I remembered in the Midwest, they always used to say, in case of a tornado, you go to a doorway. I remember this from when I was like a kid, like in kindergarten. I don't know why. I mean, now I look back, I'm like, so they can find the bodies quicker? Like, why? You know, like, why do you go to a doorway? I don't know. I'm sure it's engineering or something. So, like, so I go running, and as I'm running, and everything goes into slow motion, because like, in, in, for, for us men, everything is slow motion. Like, when there's, an, when there's an opportunity to be an action hero, everything is slow motion. So it's like, no, and I'm running towards her, and she's running towards me. And I don't know why, in my classic, stupid, male, prideful, egotistical superhero thinking, this went through my head. But as I got to the doorway that met the, 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 the other room, I wrapped my left arm around my bride, I don't know why I did this. And I extended my right arm up into the doorway. I looked like the, like the, the cover of a Harlequin novel, like in a, in a grocery store, like, like some guy like with his, you know, on the bow of a ship, like with his chest and his hair, and I'm like, I'm doing this. What is this gonna do? I've got four floors on top of me of rebar and concrete and bad upholstery and horrible, horrible artwork, and I'm doing this. Moron. So I'm holding it up. And all of a sudden it goes, boom, 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 the whole place shakes again, all the power goes off, the emergency lighting comes on, and then the eeriest sound on a Sunday morning in Hawaii is an air grade siren that goes off outside. And I hear this, do not move, we are under a tsunami warning. A tsunami warning is now in effect for the island. And they're telling me not to move. <laughs> Those two don't seem congruent. <laughs> So I look at my wife, and, look, and, and she's looking at me, and the, the thing, it, the, again, the, the hotel's shaking. At this point, I don't know if this hotel's gonna stand or not. I don't know the, inter, the integrity of the infrastructure. And at this moment, the only thought that went through my head was save your bride, save your bride, save your bride. I can go down in a blaze of glory, but save your bride. And then I had this idea, and I said a phrase that I've only said once in my life, I didn't say it out loud, but it was in my heart, in my mind, and I, I've never said it before, I'll never say it again, hopefully, but I literally said this phrase, should I throw my wife out that window? <laughs> hey, hey, you weren't there, don't judge, okay? <laughs> Matthew 7, 1, don't judge. So I'm like, should I throw out the window? Because, yes, we were eight floors up, but in fairness, the pool was only six, seven feet off the room. And my wife's an itty-bitty thing, she's about 5'2", and I'm thinking to myself, if I get enough momentum, I could kind of like, you know, kind of just, you know, shot put her like over the railing and, and into the pool. At least she's got a better odds than me if this thing goes down, right? So my hand starts to move down the small of her back and she goes, what are you doing? I said, nothing. And I mean, I literally started pushing. You never know until that moment, you know, what you're gonna do. So I started thinking about it and I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I can't throw her out the window. So I said, we got to get out of here. She said, okay. So I grabbed my cell phone and my car keys, my wallet. We go running down the stairs, and everyone is getting exited, like ushered out of this hotel, but no one's allowed to go back in. And the island is still shaking, and all the power's out. And all the cell phone towers blow up, because every tourist tries to use their cell phone at the exact same time, and everything gets shut down. And now there's like a five-mile backup, because everybody starts driving to the airport, trying to fly off the island on the one plane that's still left. Right? 
So I'm, looking, I'm sitting in the, in the, in the parking lot. <laughs> I'm next to my crappy little Ford Fiesta or Focus, whatever they rented me, you know? I'm standing there in my underwear and a t-shirt holding my wallet and a cell phone that doesn't work and keys in my rental car with nowhere to go. Can't go back in, can't get her stuff. I'm just standing there. And my wife looks at me in a way that only a wife could and says to me, why did you bring me here? <laughs> On the all expense paid second honeymoon to Hawaii, I don't know. I'm a horrible person. She's like, I can't, our kids are 2,000 miles away. I'm not gonna go there. Like, ah. and, then, and then she, and I don't know, she got really emotional, like in that place, kind of like, where nothing really makes sense, it just kind of sounds like an English, you know, like, 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 a, like a police car in England, it's like And I sat down in front of my, <laughs> like that. And I sat down in front of my car, and I just started laughing, like uncontrollably, like <laughs> And I'm thinking, I don't know if we're gonna die, but how in the world is this gonna start a fight in the parking lot, right? I'm like, ah, I'm losing it. And all of a sudden, it was crazy. I remember this really obscure scripture verse. I'm sure this is what you do too as Catholics, right? You're like, no. There's this verse in Hebrews 12, and it says, it says, once again, heaven and earth were shaken. And it says, and I will shake you free of all created things, so that all that's left is what is uncreated, unshakable. Like God saying, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to shake you. I'm going to shake you until all those created things, those human things, those, those man-made things, those earthly things are all shaken free from you. And I thought to myself, that's the perfect earthquake verse. Like, I'm going to shake you free. It's, this, is, this is the biblical version of shake well before using. Okay. And the reason, I, I, was, I thought of it for obvious reasons, but then I started thinking, I'm like, you know what? I started laughing and I smiled and I, and I went over and I grabbed my wife and I hugged her and I gave her like one of the most passionate kisses we've ever had. And she looks at me, she's like, wow, well, you've lost your mind. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I, I, I think I've actually found it. Because I'm like, honey, I almost threw you out a window. She goes, what? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, okay, well, just, just trust me. Just, like, contextualize it, okay? <laughs> you threw me out a window. I said, I, I, said, but, I said, honey, when my life was on the line, my first inclination for the first time in my completely self-absorbed, egotistical life was not about myself. That my first thought was, no matter what, save your bride. Save your bride. I'm like, honey, I'm like, I finally turned a corner. I think I finally love you more than me. <laughs> I'm not positive, but I think I do. <laughs> and then and this and the sad part, we've been married several years at this point. But it struck me, and I thought, you know what? Like, it was, I was not, I've, I mean, people talk about their conversion experience, you know what I mean? Like, you ever know some people talk about their conversion? It's always this horrible sinner to amazing saint kind of conversion story, like this Saul on the road to the man. Well, I used to use cocaine every day. Now I just smoke weed. And you're like, wait, what? Wait, no, 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 no. There's always this one overarching conversion, and that's not how conversion works. Like, we, we, we all go through, we, we're called the conversion daily. I've had 600 conversions. You know, and God's still working on me. I'm still sitting there at Mass this morning going, wow, I, I am not as holy as these people. I wish I was. Look at her. She probably, she probably lives in the church. It's amazing. But you know, something, something so funny is that the sacraments, the sacraments of the church are designed to destroy you and leave only God in your place. Like, like the sacraments are designed in a good way 
to break us down, to break us down, to humble us, to help us to receive him, his grace, his life. Like the sacraments are one of God's greatest gifts to us, if not, God, if not God's greatest gift beyond the church. The sacrament is designed to destroy all my humanity and sin and selfishness and ego and pride and leave only God in his place. That's why St. Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians and in Galatians, says, it's no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. But Christ who lives in me. And that's the beauty of marriage. And that's also the hard part of marriage. That's the rub of marriage. Because in marriage, or in any relationship, if you trust the other, trust is just a result of knowing that you are loved. And when there's a lack of knowing that you're loved, there's a lack of trust. If there's a lack of belief that you are loved, there's a lack of trust. And that's why when we break trust and then your relationship, that's why the relationship goes down the drain. Either quickly or slowly, it's broken trust. It's can I really believe what you're saying to me? And there's this lie that's been perpetrated in society that, well, you know, love is give and take. No, it's not. Love is not give and take. Well, love, love sees 2020. Love is blind. No, no, love sees 2020. Love is not blind. Love sees 2020. Love sees when it's third trimester and your poor wife is carrying that child and she's retaining more water than a dam and she feels horrible in life and about herself and you look at her and say, you are the most beautiful woman in the world and I mean it with all sincerity. Love is not blind. Love sees clearly. Love sees every wrinkle, every gray hair and says, I not, not only do I love you anyway, I love you even more today. You'll say, well, you know, Love doesn't grow on trees, you're right, but love was crucified on a tree because God came and said, this is what love looks like. Well, love doesn't come in a box. That's true, this week especially for Valentine's Day. Closest we get is the tabernacle. That's where love is. Okay. When people say, well, you know, love is give and take, that is a lie. Love is give, period. Love is give. There's no and take on the cross. That the crucifix is the symbol for marriage. People go, oh, yeah, it is. No, in all sincerity, if we had to come up with a symbol for marriage, it should be the crucifix. Because it's upon the crucifix that we learn what it means to give everything, to give all. See, we add the antique. We say love is give antique. We add the antique for this reason. We're so concerned that the other person's not going to love us back or love us well enough or love us completely or holistically or, or entirely, in their entirety, that we put the antique on there because we want, we want to have the ability to withhold. I want to be able to hold something back and, and be able to justify it. Well, she didn't give everything, so I'm not going to give everything. Well, he didn't give everything, so I'm not going to give everything. But what we really say in our wedding, in our vows, what we really say in a relationship, we say, I love you, is I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to die that you would live. That's incarnate. That's what love is. I'm willing to die that you would live. Now, easier said than done. And hopefully, it doesn't take an earthquake or a flood or a crash landing or something like that in your own life to be able to say, I'm willing to die for the other. But do you think maybe that God is still trying to convert hearts, even those who have given their heart and life to God? Do you believe that God is still trying to deepen your life as a couple? Do you believe that God is going to work only in ways that make you comfortable? You know, the Holy Spirit's job is not to make you happy. The Holy Spirit's job is to make you holy. And the Holy Spirit will stop at nothing to do that. So you have to ask yourself, if you look at the last month, the last year, maybe the last five years, last decade, right? How has God been trying to make you holy? 
And to be willing to bet, I said, and who does God use more than anybody else to challenge you out of your selfishness and out of your pride? I know exactly who God uses in my life. And it's not the little saint-making machines that are running around in my house. That I can look at my wife and I can say, you are, without a doubt, the instrument, the conduit through which God most directly is trying to sanctify me and get me to heaven. You are the one. You know, there's this, there's this, awful, <laughs> this awful lie that's been portrayed. We say, the man is a spiritual head of the household. Have you read Ephesians? The woman is to be submissive to the man. It's this horrible translation of submissive under the mission of, right? We forget that the man's mission is to die. So really, for the woman to be under that mission, you have to be okay, ladies, with your man dying for you. Okay. <laughs> Sign me up. But it's really funny, we hear like, this man's a spiritual head of the household. Somehow, somewhere, at some point, someone believes that that means that the man was supposed to be holier than the woman? If that's the case, then the holy family is the worst possible example. Because as holy as St. Joseph was, second most important saint in the communion, he wasn't the Immaculate Conception. It's not so much that the man has to be holier than the woman, but the man and the woman equally have to be seeking holiness. Equally yoked. Gentlemen, when you wake up in the morning, is your first thought of self or of your partner or the other? Ladies, when you wake, is your first prayer, the first prayer that falls off your lips before your foot hits the floor, is it for yourself or maybe your kids? Or is it for your spouse or your partner? I had this spiritual director one time. He said, and I was, I was just, I was really, it was, it was just one of, the, one of those hard seasons of marriage. Just a hard season of marriage, a hard season of life. And I was really struggling. My wife and I just, we just weren't connecting. We weren't, we weren't communicating well. I just kind of, I feel like no matter what I said, I just kind of felt like, boy, she's taking it the wrong way. Because I'm obviously saying it perfectly. But we just weren't connecting, we weren't communicating. It was just one of those times, one of those seasons, I was just really busy, just always on the go, financial stress, extended family, in-laws, siblings, ugh. it's all going at the same time. And it's just all this, just, just stress, just waking up with like that, that feeling I have like an anvil on your chest, you know? So I'm sharing this with my spiritual director, really holy priest, he's since gone to heaven. And he said, Mark, I want you to picture yourself in a life raft with your wife and your kids. I said, okay. He says, now, you're out in the ocean, and the life raft capsizes, and there are sharks in the water. And I'm like, this is not getting better. <laughs> and he says, when the life raft capsizes, and all your kids fall into the water, and your wife falls in the water, he says, who's the first one you swim for? And I said, this is really, you are a celibate, aren't you? Because <laughs> this is not a fair story. And I said to him, I said, well, obviously, I, I, I swim for my youngest, the one who can't swim very well. And he looks right in my eyes in a way that just cut my soul, pierced my soul, and he says, wrong. You swim for your wife. And I said, well, that, wait, hold on. That's, but my wife can swim. Very challenging swimmer. He says, you're missing the point. I said, don't you get it? He says, you, you're making the mistake of, he's, he's like, you're making the mistake of thinking that your kids are yours. They're not yours. They're God's. But your wife is yours. She's the one you, you promised. She's the one you made the vow to. Not just to her, but to God. She's the one. You swim for your wife. And while I really disagree with him in that moment, because my one child wasn't able to swim, <laughs> his point was really well taken. And I thought to myself, you know what? 
There's something to this. There's something to it. You know, life has a funny way of getting in the way of love. If I was to say to you, what has, what has happened in the last month, the last year, the last five years? What are some of those things that have caused conflict? Those things that have caused strain? Those things that have caused undue anxiety? Those things that have caused just stress? What are the relationships? Who are the people that have caused that stress on your relationship? What are the situations at work with extended family? What are the situations that have taken so much of your emotional energy that it's made it hard for you to be present? That have taken so much of your joy or of your peace or of your time and attention, maybe even your money, that end up straining the relationship? What are those things that force you to turn on yourself? What are those things that keep you so busy that it becomes almost impossible to be present, to be really present to the other? And we all have, see, this is this part, we all have a different situation, we all have different crosses. I don't know your cross. I don't know your cross personally. I don't know your cross as a couple. I know mine. And I know how often I kind of fall into this trap of thinking that my cross is so much heavier than my spouse's, and my cross is so much heavier than anyone else's. And I started this exercise not too long ago with my staff. Because uh, I, you know, I, mean, I mean, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm also a boss. I have a, I have a bunch of staff in, in my office, and they're constantly coming in, and, and they're almost, almost all of them are younger, and they're bringing a lot of different issues and situations. And I, I was getting so frustrated, just because it was just like, every time the door opens, there's another problem, another problem, another problem. And I had to put myself in this, like, this new mindset. I had to say to myself, okay, when a staff member walks in now, I'm going to train myself to do this. I'm going to close my computer. I'm going to look them in the eye. And before they say a word, I'm going I'm to remind myself, Mark, their cross is twice as heavy as yours is. Whether or not it is. But if I can put myself in that disposition, their cross is twice as heavy as yours is. It immediately, immediately taps into a spirit of compassion to say, you know what, whatever they share with me right now, even if it's not important to me, it's important to them. Even if it's not a big deal in my life, it's a big deal to them. So I started doing this with my staff. And it's been amazing how the relationships have, have deepened and changed. But you know what was really humbling? When I realized after about six months that I've been doing that with my staff, but not with my wife, not with my kids. And all of a sudden, I was, I was a little more stress-free at work and getting along better with them, but I'm getting home, and I'm carrying all the stress with me, I'm getting home. But how often my wife would say, can I talk to you about something, or I need to tell you something, or, or this bothered me? And my, my immediate response was almost to get defensive. Oh, this is how I failed as a husband instead. But once I started sitting down and saying, before she says a word to me, remember, Mark, her cross is heavier than yours is. Her cross is heavy. That what she's sharing with you right now, even if I don't understand it, even if it seems like it's not even like that valid, that her back is breaking and her knees are buckling. And what she needs from me right now is not to, <laughs> this is the best part of like guys, we love doing this. When a woman brings a problem and, she, and we, we think we're gonna solve it, right? Oh, you're communicating your problem. I'm gonna solve your problem, I'll solve your problem, I'm gonna solve your problem. And guys, she doesn't want us to solve her problem. She just wants us to, listen. Yes, the other women, listen. I don't need you to get, okay, shining armor, get off the horse. I don't need you to solve it. I just need you to listen. Right? But how often I need to go into fix-it mode 
And instead of being compassionate or validating or affirming, I just immediately try to fix it. And I'm reminded of this constantly because the Lord in his wisdom, see, I was born in a family of boys and the Lord decided to send me daughters. <laughs> and now they're teenagers. And now realizing all of a sudden I'm talking to teenage girls and I'm listening to their drama and I'm thinking to myself, I don't care about this drama. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I could win the lottery and have millions of dollars and I still, I could not even, you could not even pay me to care about this drama. <laughs> but how important it is to remember that when there's a 16-year-old or a 13-year-old, for instance, in my house, like, and they're sharing something that is just the end of their world, to be able to start that conversation and say, okay, her cross doesn't seem that heavy, but, um, <laughs> obey her Simon of Cyrene. Okay, yes, I'll lift your cross. Here you go. <laughs> like, okay, but you know what? But that, that cross is heavier than mine is. Now, I want you to take a second, okay? I'm gonna have Ben come back up. I just want you to just take a second and just think about the last year of your life. Okay. For the last year of your life, think about what's caused you stress, what's brought you joy. Think back to the holidays we just went through. Thanksgiving to Christmas, maybe it was just the, maybe it was the best you ever had. Your kids or grandkids running around, or maybe you're just one of those wonderful holidays. Maybe it's the kind of holiday where you got to see all your extended family, and whew, that cross felt heavy. Right? Now I want you to think of the last year or so with your partner, with your spouse, or your significant other. Think of your happiest moment in the last 12 months. Maybe it's on a vacation, a trip, it's a holiday, an anniversary, a birthday. There's a time when all the kids are together. Just think about that for a moment. When God in his mercy just kind of pulled you out, pulled you out of the sea, pulled you out of the stress, and just reminded you again, you know what, like, you're blessed. See, I created this person for you. And you know, all this earthly stuff that gets in the way, all these earthly stresses and anxieties and fears, and you know, yeah. But this is your home base, this is your due north. You see, I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. And because I love you, I'm going to take you and I'm going to shake you. And sometimes I'm going to shake you through man-made ways. Sometimes I'm going to shake you with work or job or finance or health. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to allow this. I'm going to allow you to be shaken. Not because I don't love you, but because I do. I'm going to use this person to speak a truth to you that you would not listen to from anybody else. I'm going to use this person to say things that you don't want to hear but you desperately need to hear. I'm gonna use this person to challenge you out of your selfishness. I'm gonna use this person as an example, maybe even unspoken, to smash your ego into dust. Then I'm gonna use this sacrament to shake you and to break you and to remake you. Getting rid of all that's, that's human and, and, and temporary and fleeting and leave only what's eternal and beautiful, what's only me. That I love you so much that I'm going to use this relationship to make you a saint. We can do it the easy way or the hard way. You can go kicking and screaming, or you can come humbly, openly, but I will have my way. 
I found that most of my life I go kicking and screaming. I'm more a brat of God than a child of God. And he's okay with that. You know, I, I have three amazing kids and three out of four is not bad. But I'll tell you, that little, that, little, that little stinker, that little brat, I just love her, I love her, I love her. Man, she's only turned me gray. But I love her equally. I don't love her any less. The Lord is already pleased that you're here today. And whether or not you want to believe it, when I have a hard time trusting it, He does love you. And one of the ways He loves you the most, loves you the greatest, is through the other. But we're not always that lovable. We're not perfect. We're not angels. So I'd like to say, I'd like to ask that you take the next few minutes, and there's a few questions in this guide. And if you open up to uh, page 16, there's four questions. You don't have to go through all four. You can, it's great. But Ben's just going to play for a few minutes. And if you want to fan out, if you want to take your chairs and fan out a little bit around the room, you can. If you want to stay where you are, you can. Just take a few minutes with your spouse or your partner and just work through these three or four questions. And you can jump around, skip around, but I suggest you start with the first couple. And um, just take this time and have this time together just to kind of process what the Lord is really wanting to speak to you and speak through you.